What if people are wondering, can you really know God? Those of us who know him, maybe you're not thinking about that. But I mean, can you know the unknowable? (laughs) Can you see the unseen God? It's a very legitimate question. People like us talk about knowing God personally. But really, there's a fundamental issue here. Is that even possible? People ask that all the time. Can you know God? Well, John, in his gospel, answers it pretty clearly in one verse. That's all we'll look at tonight. John chapter 1, verse 18. I'm working on memorizing this verse because it's helpful to me. Can you know God? Here's, Here's John's answer. He said, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So John answered that fundamental question uh, in verse 18 of chapter 1. But you notice his opening statement, no one has seen God at any time. Well, I was troubled by that because I, I read about Moses. You ever read about Moses? I thought Moses was, was one of those guys who did see God. Uh, and I, I was sort of wrong about this. Let me read this to you. Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 17. That's the account of Moses having an encounter with God. This is what it says. Exodus 33, verse 17. The Lord said to Moses... I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I've known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see My face, for no man can see me and live. And then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. No! Moses did not see God face to face. John is correct. No man has seen God at any time. Why is it that Moses did not have this face-to-face encounter with God? Well, the text in Exodus clearly tells us why. It says, no man can see me and live. God said that. No man can see me and live. So I asked the question, why not God? And then I think I was overwhelmed with the answer. It's because of his holiness. There's very much of it. And we're not that way. We're confined to these uh, fleshly vehicles uh, which still contain the presence of sin. And the holiness of God is so very much and our sin nature is so very much We can't stand in his presence. We'd be consumed by it all in the state in which we now are, which makes heaven all the more attractive because there'll be a day when we'll be in glorified bodies free of sin. That's when we'll have a literal face-to-face encounter with Almighty God. Until that happens, he's like a consuming fire. Not even we, his children, would be able to survive 
being in an intimate uh, presence with the uh, uh, indisputably holy God. And so he says, no man can see me and live. Moses, therefore, could not see God face to face. He saw his back. He saw something of his goodness and of his grace, but he could not see the fullness of his nature and live. You cannot, you know when people say, the big guy upstairs, or God is my co-pilot. <gasps> we are really sorely underestimating the unapproachable holiness of almighty God. We can't even stand in his presence at this point. In fact, the true nature of God his comprehensive nature cannot be apprehended by anybody's ordinary human senses at all. Not Moses, not anyone here. We cannot come to grips with the incomprehensible totality of the nature of God through our own human faculties. And people in the ancient world were very depressed by what I just told you. I just told you God cannot be known He's the unknowable. And they began to understand this, and it frustrated them no end. The unknowability of God caused them great frustration. So, for instance, Plato, you've heard of him? He said, never man and God can meet. That's what he said. Celsius, one of the ancient philosophers, said, God is away beyond everything. Apollos, Apollos, or somebody with a strange Greek name, said, men could catch a glimpse of God as a lightning flash lights up a dark night. One split second of illumination and then the dark. These were the great minds of the day, Greek philosophers that have influenced even the world in which we now live. And they were overwhelmed by the frustration of not being able to know the unknowable God. And it is not just the ancients who were so troubled. Even more modern thinkers also were frustrated with the unknowability of God. They said, in effect, the human mind is limited to what it can apprehend by its own senses. Therefore, since God is beyond human faculties, he simply cannot be known. So there was a fellow named Aldous Huxley, more modern thinker, Aldous Huxley. He was born in 1894. He was a British, a writer, a philosopher. He was the first to make use of the term, uh, he popularized the term agnostic. Aldous Huxley came up with that term. With reference to those who concluded that if there is a God, he cannot be known. They did not necessarily deny the existence of God, the agnostics. They denied the knowability of God. <laughs> if God exists, Huxley said, it's irrelevant because you can't know him. You can't get to know him. Now, there was another fellow named David Hume. He was born in 1711. He was a Scottish philosopher. He was called the father of modern agnosticism. Many university students, without even knowing it, are influenced today by Huxley and Hume, even to this very day. David Hume, again, did not deny the existence of God. He said, I don't know, but I do know this. 
even if he exists, we can never have a true, accurate knowledge of his nature. He said, you see, all knowledge is based on personal experience and nobody can have a personal experience with transcendent deity. That's what he said. So I ask you, are they correct? Well, hang on. Yes, they are. And no, they ain't. They probably wouldn't have said ain't. But anyway, yeah, they're correct in this sense. Um, God cannot be known in the same way in which you and I come to have knowledge of everything else. He cannot be known the same way. He cannot be known through intellect alone. He cannot be known through what we see and touch and lay hold of with our hands. No, stay right about that. He cannot be known. But they're dead wrong about this. Oh, yes, he can be known. And John, not a philosopher, but under inspiration of God, which is even better. John said in chapter 1, verse 18, I'm trying to memorize it. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Yes, they're right. You cannot know God the same way we learn about anything else, but you can know him. You can know God, but through revelation, not intellect. And God the Father has revealed the entirety of his perfections through Jesus, his Son. God, who is spirit, became enfleshed, and he, by revelation, can usher us into a very personal knowledge of Almighty God. Jesus Christ saved us. You know that. But you know, he didn't only save us from the penalty of sin. He also saved us from despair. He saved us from the despair of not being able to know the otherwise unknowable God. You look up into the universe and you see the enormity of it. You look through a microscope and you see a world of its own, systematized. And you say, I want to know the designer. And then you, you're left with this, but I cannot, for he is the great beyond. Jesus saved us from that despair. No, the evidence of Almighty God in creation should get you excited about wanting to know him personally. And this you can do because Jesus is Emmanuel. God came near. I cannot access him, but he condescended to extend himself to me. This is the whole nature, don't you see, of the incarnation. Now, how could Jesus? I mean, there's Buddha and Mohammed and all kinds of other pretenders to the throne. Uh, how could we be so certain that Jesus is the one who could reveal the true nature of God to us? Well, it all has to do with the phrase John uses here. He talks about Jesus being in the bosom of his father. Can you see it in verse 18? In the bosom of his father. We can get real complicated here, but let me just get simple. You know what that means? It means intimacy. That's what it means. It means the eternal intimacy with which the son knew the father. God the son is in the bosom of God the father, and that's why God the son, Jesus is his name, is the only one who could reveal the father to us. 
You know, we could learn a little bit more about this phrase, bosom of the Father, by remembering what happened at the Last Supper. Remember the Last Supper? They were reclining at table. That's how they did it in those days. They didn't pull up their chair to the table. They literally would rest, oftentimes on their left arm, just like this, and their feet would be right back there, and then there'd be the vittles right over here, and they'd eat and so on. And in the context of the Last Supper, we read this. We'll get to it maybe one day. It'll be a miracle if we ever get there because it's all the way in John 13, verse 23. It says, there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. By the way, who do you think that disciple is? John. Why doesn't John just say so? Oh, because this book is not about John. Nowhere in the entire 21 chapters of this book written by John Does he even mention his name? Isn't that something? But it was John, who's the beloved disciple, who's leaning into the Lord. He was reclining on Jesus' bosom. Folks, whatever else you can make of it, don't miss this. It means intimacy, and it means closeness, and it means affection. And Jesus had intimacy, closeness, and affection not had, has always, from eternity past to eternity future, with the Father. And that's why... He's the only qualified one to reveal the otherwise unseen God to us. No one has seen God at any time. Hang on there. The only one of a kind, see, begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. What did he do? He has explained him. What does that mean? It means Jesus made God known to us. It means Jesus interpreted God for us. It means Jesus simply put, revealed God to us. Folks, when you think of Jesus, don't miss this. Jesus is proof that God wishes to be known. You know that? Jesus is evidence of God's heart to be known. He doesn't want to remain hidden He doesn't want us to have to guess and speculate. Jesus, the enfleshed word of God, is evidence of the fact that God desires for ones like you and I to know him. He has made it possible. Now, why would the holy God of the universe want to be made known by sinful people like you and me. I think this is the the answer. In being known by one such as you and I, we come to worship him, don't we? And we honor him and we praise him. In coming to know him, we come to obey him. And when we get to know him, you know what we do? We go about helping others to know him as well. And that's why the otherwise unapproachably holy God wishes to be made known by ordinary, flawed, sinful people, imperfect though we be, like you and I, because we get so captivated by Christ, through Christ. We want to submit. We choose to. We want to serve God. We want to do things his way. And we would explode if we didn't have the privilege and opportunity to tell others, look to Jesus, consider Jesus. A few days ago, I had the opportunity to do this. I went to the dentist, 
I was looking for someone to finally get to the root of my problem. I'm just telling you the tooth, the whole tooth. I have a good dentist. His favorite hymn is Crown Him With Many Crowns. That's his, yeah. So uh, while I'm getting prepared to see the dentist, the executioner, um, his assistant is getting me, you know, they put a bib on you and all this kind of stuff. And we're just making talk. That's all. She started it. She said, hey, uh, I'm glad you're here because she said to me, uh, hey, you know, uh, I met a guy one time, another dentist, and his name was Rothberg. I said, no kidding, isn't that something? I said, well, uh, you know, that's a Jewish name. Uh, I said, I know that because I'm Jewish. And she said, oh, that's very interesting. That's not good when someone says that's very interesting. <laughs> but I said to her, uh, you think that's something? And then 40 words came to mind. I said, let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the sacrifice, through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. And we talked about the Lord Jesus. I wanted to beg her, consider him. Consider him. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He's the only way to Almighty God, he being God himself, you see. And so uh, uh, we talked about it, and, and I thought, oh, God, I'm so blessed uh, to know you, and I'm so privileged to be able little old me, uh, to make you known. Folks, don't rob yourself of the exhilaration of saying to someone, have you considered Jesus? In so many words, whatever it is, she's talking about another dentist named Rothberg. Who cares? I really do not. And it doesn't matter. She may know Dr. Rothberg, but she's got to meet Dr. Jesus to be healed of what really ails her. So I just, she seemed to be unashamed about interfering with my private meditation time while I was waiting for the torturer to come in the room. She just took it upon herself to invade my space about nothing. Well, let me return the favor. So can I encourage you, memorize 40 words, ask God to give you an opportunity, use it as a bridge uh, for conversation about the Lord Jesus. And if you get a chance, tap me on the shoulder some Wednesday night. I want to rejoice with you. And then I want you to share it with everybody. I want you to tell people. I had a chance this week to tell people about Almighty God. I've come to know him through Jesus. And I told someone else about that as well. Folks, here's the point. God can be known. And having come to know him, don't we want to make him known <laughs> to all others in the same way in which he has been made known to us through Jesus the Son. For Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I wish I could speak to David Hume and Aldous Huxley and say all those books and all your thinking and frustration and aggravation. I wish I could speak to Plato and all the rest and say, Good night. That is not necessary 
for all the fullness of deity. The deity you say you can't know. You can because all the fullness of deity has been contained in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me talk to you about about him. Well, there's a lot of Humes and Huxleys and Plato's still running around today, folks. It's like a treasure hunt for us. Go hunt for treasure. There may be someone who one day will say, tell me more about this Jesus, for I am wandering aimlessly in a world I know has a designer, but I don't know a thing about him. And you'll be able to say, well, of course not. You can't. <laughs> no man has seen him at any time. But the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Folks, in religion of any kind, a man is striving to reach up to God. But in Revelation, God has condescended so as to reach down to man. Our faith is not about a religion, is it? It's about revelation. Jesus Christ is the revelation of Almighty God to humankind. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for saving us from the penalty of sin, its power, and yes, one day its very presence. That's when we'll see you face to face. But thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us not only from that. Thank you for saving us from emptiness, purposelessness, wandering, philosophizing, guessing, Thank you for revealing the Father to us so that we could have the same kind of intimacy with the Father with which you have been intimate with him from even before time. And oh God, we're wealthy and rich no matter what we may otherwise lose and we want to spread the wealth of the gospel. Whatever else may be true of us, let each of us live up to our royal status, representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we take every opportunity in the days we have, they may be short, to call people to consider Jesus. For Lord Jesus, in coming to know you, we know the Father. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.